So this is our final week of a series that we've been doing called Opportunities and Options, kind of looking through the gospel that um, God has given us lots of opportunities and options, lots of possibilities for us to walk in and experience what he is doing us ar- around us. And this morning I want to talk about this one thing, and it'll make sense as we get into the word, and we're going to be in Acts 3 if you want to um, get there. We're going to be there in just a little bit. You don't have to be there right now, but just so you know. Uh, the one thing that I want us to say, and you'll hear me say this a lot today, are you available? And I don't mean like, what's your status? Um, I don't mean like, are you single? Or like, I'm available. Like, there are single people who are like, what? okay, no. Not what we're talking about today, but are you available? And here, here's kind of the thought. Are you available in life in Christ, being Meaning, life with Christ, life devoted to Christ, is a life of availability. A life that is no longer ours. A life that when, when God is ready and willing for us to step into all those good things He's prepared for us, we're ready for that. Unlike uh, us, God is never not thinking about mission. Sometimes we're thinking, I don't know about you guys, but like this week my brain shut down and all I could think about was like storm stuff. And being super lazy. Anyway, I don't know. It's just like I can't do anything else. I got to prepare for the storm. Um, but God's always thinking about mission. He's always thinking about what's going on. What, what is happening that's moving things to his end and his return. He's always working things to his end and using us to make it happen. Remember, we talked about this last week in Ephesians 2. It says we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk into him, that we should be available, that there there's these things that God has set in motion for us to literally walk into, to to literally be there at that exact moment that God planned before the beginning of time for us to walk into it. When you understand this. You're ready to be interrupted. If you've taken experiencing God, experiencing talk, God talks about this. Like, are you willing to let God interrupt your day? Are you willing to allow God to have the priority of what's going to happen today? Like, you make plans and then God says, I need you for this now. See, ready to be used by God for the benefit of others. And I... I want to tell you a little bit. Yesterday, I've kind of lost my mind. I'm 43 years old, and like I forget and lose everything. So Friday, I made it out of our storm shelter. <laughs> Kidding. I made it out. I went out into the community, and I um, met somebody for lunch, and then I went over to Panera to do some of my work. Um, and was there, and I know for sure I used a card at Panera. I know for sure. And so I come home. We hang out. Um, play cards with Jody's parents and got slaughtered the first game. It was embarrassing. We did come back. I think they mercy let us win the second game. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, like, didn't think about it. Saturday morning, got up and did a few things, mowed grass, you know, and we drove to um, my mom's house at the beach to take her golf cart back. We brought it up here so it didn't get flooded. They lost one in Matthew. Um, And on the way down there, I'm like, oh, I don't have my wallet. But I'm like, it's at the house. And then I get back to the house and I could not find my wallet. And for the next two hours, 
All I could think about is finding my wallet. And if I didn't find my wallet, then I have to cancel these two credit cards. And then I have to then all of these reoccurring things that are going to my credit card. I'm going to have to remember what those are. I'm going to have to change all those. And I'm thinking I'm looking on my um, two credit card uh, online to see if anybody's charged anything. I'm calling Panera because that was the last place that I knew I used my card. They, of course, didn't have it. I'm thinking some Yahoo is taking the card, and I have a church business card in there, and one of our credit cards has our church name on it. How dare they take God's, you know, credit card? And I mean, we looked everywhere. I looked, and it's, I don't know, you should do this when you get home. Just take cushions off your couch. If you haven't done that lately, super disgusting, especially if you have a dog. Uh, it's like, he's never been under the cushions. Where did all these hairs come from? And I looked in places that I have never looked through. And all I could think about is where could it be? I don't know about you, but like I walk around my house thinking like maybe something will trigger my memory of where I put it and nowhere. Took the, you know, I don't know why it would be in our, like in the bed. <laughs> Shook out the sheets. I'm looking under the bed. I'm moving chairs in our living room. I go into my son's room. Maybe I went in there. And I I dropped it off. I went over to the place that I mowed grass and I walked everywhere that I was out thinking maybe it fell out of my wallet. I mean, I was looking everywhere for this thing that was lost. And you know where it was? It was in my house. No, we looked through the car. I mean, like every seat, back and forward. Underneath my truck seats was a lot less disgusting than our couch. Um. But nothing in there, and it was literally, we have right, if you've been in our house, we have this white, it was a Hoosier cabinet, if you remember the, the Indiana, like they literally, it, it has a pull-out thing that you would do um, biscuits on it, and you would pull a flour sifter out of it, anyway, it was literally like standing upright in this corner, it never, it doesn't go there, but I went to go find a flashlight, and I walked over there to, and I moved some, I'm like, I mean, I touched things all on this. <laughs> And it was right there. And I found my wallet. And I felt like this just relief that I didn't have to, you know, no one has maliciously stolen my wallet and ready to call me and ask how much money that I'd give them to give it back to them. None of that. And I say all that to say is, do we even know that there are things lost that need to be found? Because I think some of our issue with making ourselves available is because we don't really think that it's that important that we are available. And yesterday for two and a half hours, my brain was solely focused on finding a wallet, which has no eternal value, no significance. It would be inconvenient to me because I would have to do a few things like renew uh, or get a new license, and I would do things, and it would be aggravating to me, but there's no eternal significance. There's no, like, angels in heaven weren't celebrating at the find. It was lost. Now it is found. Ah, Angels! They're not celebrating that. And I think part of what we've got to understand is that God wants to use us in the biggest miracle that we have the access of being a, a part of, which is people going from death to life. People that have not surrendered to Jesus are lost. If you were here last week, we talked about sheep and goats. They are in the other category. And we have to understand that we have a mission and a mandate that God has called us 
into this. That we have to understand that there's things that we have to be available for because if we don't think we have to be available, if we're not ready, we'll be ignoring every little thing that happens in front of us. We're like, oh, that's someone else's problem. Oh, you know, this, the Holy Spirit will begin to work in us so that we, we, should, you know, we have this longing to do something we don't naturally want to do, and we may be ignoring that. Most of the miracles that Jesus performed were along the way. They weren't in a church service. They weren't, he didn't call a special service for miracles. He literally was walking on the road or going from here to there or entering someone's house and, and, and they happened. Like water into wine, he was at a wedding. He hadn't even started yet. And he's like, Mom, he actually called her woman. And I'm sure in, in the <laughs> woman, my time is not yet. I'm sure in like that, he wasn't being disrespectful. He wasn't. But like I read that and I'm like, Jesus, that's your mom. That's your mom, man. But. You know, water and wine, he was at a wedding. He wasn't like, hey, guys, traveling miracle worker, I'm ready to do this thing, water into wine. Uh, the widow's son, he's just walking down the road. He sees this funeral possession, procession, procession, procession. Thank you. And he just walks over there, touches the side of the casket, and the young man sits up and comes back to life just along the road. Lepers would chase him down. And he would touch and heal them and they would become whole. The woman with the issue of blood, he's in, the, he's in, he's going to another place to perform a miracle. And along the way, he doesn't even participate in it. A lady touches his garment and is healed. And he stops everything, heals her. And he still goes on and, and heals the one that he's in route to. Feeding the 5,000, he just sat down on the side of the mountain, and people that are following him kind of sat down with him, and he started teaching. And he, and he, he created, well, not out of nothing, but he multiplied out of this little to feed all these people. All these things happened. And, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Acts 3 is, is Peter and John going to a prayer service. They're not like, hey, I mean, they were available, which is what we're talking about. They were ready and willing to see God move. They were looking for God to move. But along the way, along the way to this one event that they were going to, something miraculous happened. And it was and it, it's all through Acts, you see this. They, it wasn't, they weren't like, oh, you know, today we're going to do miracles. I think it was literally just part of their life. It was literally they're waiting for the opportunity for God to move. So before we get into Acts 3, let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, I, I just thank you that, that you use us, imperfect people, to do your will, to, to, to rescue others by sharing your word and, and being your hands and feet. And Lord, I pray that that you would remove guilt and shame for what we haven't done. But, Lord, you, you would give us encouragement to see that what we do day in, day out, which seems normal, that in that normal life you have things for us that are beyond normal, that are extraordinary, that are miraculous. And I pray that we would have the vision to see, Lord, where you're working and what you're stirring, and Lord, that we would step into what you're already doing in and around us. And we just pray that not only that you would give us eyes outside of this room to see 
where you're working. But, Lord, you would give us eyes to see in your text what you're calling us to do and what to be like. And, Lord, we just thank you for a word that is secure in you, that we can look at the story of your disciples, the ones that you sent out to do your work. And Lord, I pray that we would have our eyes fixed on you so that our lives would be directed to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts 3, we're going to be um, pretty much through Acts 3, but primarily we're going to start in 1 through 10. So here, here's what's happening. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So they were literally just going to their prayer meeting. There, they, there was no necessary agenda. And verse 2, it says, And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate to ask alms for those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. So this man had been born this way, and whoever was using him to collect alms, so his day-in, day-out job, this is his expectation, is that someone was going to take him in front of the church, and outside of the church he would collect alms. That is what he did every day. And what he expected, here's the key, what he expected was silver and gold. What he expected was money to, you know, care for him or to whatever. He was not looking for healing. He wasn't there going, hey, you know, if I could just walk today, things would be different. He was literally stuck in this is who I am. And this is, this is where we're at. This is what the church belongs to. Because there are hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that are stuck in this is who I am. There is nothing outside of this. And they're doing their, their day in, day out thing. Whatever they think, they're, this man probably thinks this is the extent of my worth and value to be placed outside of the temple and collect alms. This is who I am. And God is about to wreck that. See, being available isn't necessarily giving people what they think they need. Being available is helping people see who God is to them. And so verse 4, it says, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. So this man's just randomly like, alms, alms. Peter and John are, are walking by and they hear this. And I, I, don't, I don't know, like I'm going to speculate right now because... It's not in the text, but I'm going to speculate because there's lots of people that didn't get healed. This wasn't the only man that's outside of the temple. It's like, you know, several. There's a man that was healed uh, in the, in the um, I forget what uh, pool it was, but there was one man that was healed. And I think something in Peter resonated with what, what God's doing something. So he, he pauses for a second and he, he asks the man to look at it. And I, I think, this is Heath. Not, you know, thus saith the Lord. I believe that Peter is going, hey, God, are you about to do something? Because you, you hear, which we're going to read in just a second, that this isn't Peter's power. This isn't Peter's piety. This isn't Peter's holiness or righteousness that made this thing happen. This was God. And so I think in this moment, Peter is like, and that's the, that's the beauty of this 
person that we have living inside of us. The Holy Spirit is that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. And so that same power speaks to us, encourages us these things. And I literally think Peter heard his voice, paused for a second, asked the man to look at him. And I think in that moment he's going, God, are you about to do something? And look what, get right, get what, look what happens. In verse, again, this man is waiting for silver and gold. That's what he thinks. He's expecting. He said, look at us. In verse 5 it says, And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. He's expecting to receive money from Peter and John. So he pauses, forgets everybody else for a second, waits for the money to be exchanged, exchanged into his hand. In verse 6 it says, But Peter said to him, this must have been a super downer. I, if there was a video camera on this guy's face, I'd love to see it after this line was said. I have no silver and gold, but... Like, that could have been the longest pause in the world. He's like, literally, I just missed all these other people that just went in because you called my attention. But what I do have, I give to you. And I'm sure this man is like, okay, great. You're going to give me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're going to give me some crackers. You're going to give me some water. Well, I don't know what he's thinking he's going to give him. And then he, he does something right because he doesn't ask for this. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, okay, if you thought it was crazy or if you think this man thought they were crazy after he said no silver and gold, I don't have any money. And he tells them, and I'm sure this man, because the name of Jesus has been I mean, it's, it's out. This is early in Acts. So this is not far after Jesus has been taken up and he tells him to get up and walk. Could you imagine? Like, in my mind, I'm thinking like movie. Because I think in the form of movies. And I believe in heaven there's going to be movies. That you can watch these. I think you'll be able to go up there and be like, hey, Jesus. Because, like, he could do it. I want to see this happen. So I don't know if, like, because I'm, I'm assuming if you don't use your legs your whole life, they're withered, and they're nothing. So I, I don't know if, like, all of a sudden muscle starts generating, and, like, I'm just, like, I'm playing this reel out in my brain, going, like, is he, like, because, like, if, if, if your legs are skinny, and you're, you've never walked on them, you're not going to be, like, like, thinking, I'm going to get up, but if your legs start, like, boo, like, who needs leg day when Jesus is around? If your legs start growing and you're like, okay, I mean, there's, I don't know what faith. I don't know as he began to get up, muscle came in, but legs that don't work ever don't work automatically. They're not just going to start. Like God had to do something inside of him completely. Most people that we interact with don't know what they're missing. They don't understand what they're longing for. Everybody that you interact with is longing for something. There's something in them that they're like, if I can have this, I'll be better. Maybe it's, maybe it's health if your health is bad. Maybe it's money if you don't have money. Maybe it's a better job. Maybe it's whatever. They all, we always, it's this longing to think this one thing will satisfy us. But like this man who is stuck in this expectation, nothing outside of Jesus is going to satisfy him. Money is not going to change his life. See, this man didn't even think it was possible. He had lived his whole life in this world. And look what happens in verse 7. 
It says, and he took him by the right hand. So I don't know if he's like, I ain't getting, nah, nah, dude. You ain't making me look like a fool. I ain't going to like try to get up and then fall over. I don't know what happens in this moment. But Peter leans down and he grabs by the right hand to raise him up. I don't know. Can you imagine like what's going on? Like seriously, are you going to drag me up? And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Immediately. Woo! Immediately. And leaping up. I'm telling you, if you've been sitting down your whole life and you finally get the power to walk, like, this is what's going to happen. Like, this isn't crazy. It says, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. <laughs> I mean, and he, I don't know how many years, but we know that this was his daily routine of coming to the temple. So do you know how many hundreds of people? Because everybody's like, in other here, miracles, they're like, is this the one? There's one where the parents are brought in. Is this your son? Was he born blind? And they were afraid of the, the Pharisees. And they're like, all we can say is he's our son. We don't know what happened outside of that. But everybody that walked in and out of this temple saw this man, probably gave him money through the years, saw him outside of the temple. This wasn't like some scheme that... Like, let's work this out. Hey, you just sit out there and act like you can't walk for 30-some years so that when Peter and John walked by, this is a man who everyone knew that this was a miracle. Walking elite. I mean, can you imagine prayer? The prayer, this is prayer service. And I don't know what their prayer service looks like, but most prayer services are like, they're like quiet. People praying. Might have one or prayer. But can you imagine? <laughs> Woo! I mean, I, in my mind, he's doing a cartwheel. He's like, he could, could you imagine if something happened to you in the physical world that you never thought was possible and it happened like you couldn't walk, you can't. Could you imagine there would be no containing? I'm sure the church is like, hey, this is prayer time. He's like, I don't care. Praise. <clears throat> Of course he was leaping and praising God. We would all. See, what we have is far better than silver and gold. Do you realize that? Do you realize what you have access to if you are a child of God is far better than anything in this world? It will satisfy you far better than anything. Nothing in this world will satisfy us. There's nothing. If you've been reading the one-year Bible, you've been in Ecclesiastes, I mean, that's like the biggest, like, bummer. If you think, man, one day if I get money, uh, Solomon's got all the money, he's got more wives than he knows what to do. I mean, he's, like, he's got everything, and he's like, no, mm-mm. I've tried it all, and none of it satisfied. None of it. See, we have to understand that what we have access to, what we're bringing to people is far better than silver and gold. It has to be that for us. We have to understand that. In verse 9, it says, All the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They're like, oh, my word what's happening in the next verse verse 11 it says while he clung clung 
to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico of Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us? And this is important. Why do you stare at us as though by our own power and piety we have made him walk? This is This is the important thing. I think some of the reason why we're not making ourselves available for what God's doing, because you're telling yourself, I cannot. Like, what am I going to do? What do I have? What power or authority do I have here? And you know your life. You're like, I'm not not perfect enough. And I love this. He doesn't just say, by our own power. He doesn't just say, we didn't do this by our own power or piety. Anybody use that this week in their vocabulary? You're like, piety. Like, they create good pies? Piety? No. Piety, there was, there was a belief in Judaism that if you were holy enough, that you were righteous enough, that you would have greater authority to see miraculous things happen. And, and Peter's saying, hey, it's not our power or our piety. It's not our goodness. Like, we, we didn't behave perfectly, and we know that. I mean, this is, this is soon after Peter's re- rejection of Jesus. And this is Peter saying, hey, it's not because of our power. It's not because we've, we've, we're perfect. That we're we're a hundred percent. I think a lot of us are not stepping into what God has for us because we're looking at it going, I don't have the power because you're already like, how am I going to heal somebody? You understand? I, I, I truly believe that God still has the power to heal. But here's the here's the key. This man before the beginning of time was set for this moment. There's another conversation with Jesus where they, they, they looked at a person that was born blind and they're like, who sinned? Because that was, that was the, the thought, that if something happens to you, like if Doran destroyed us, Dorian, Dor, whatever, is gone now, who cares? <laughs> that if it destroyed us, we would go, what did we do? Like, what, what was our sin? And Jesus tells them, because they thought, you know, he was born blind, did this person sin or did his parents sin and, and and jesus said this he said he neither but god allowed this for this day for this moment and there was other people that were not healed at the beautiful gate that day this one man i believe that god has purpose and plan with every single healing or non-healing but I don't want us to go, well, you know, I've prayed for people that were sick before and like it, nothing happened. I want us to keep praying, keep believing that God has the ability to change other people, that he has the ability through us. But, but like I said earlier, one of the greatest miracles that we can participate in is someone moving from death into life. And every one of us who have had an experience with Christ or are living in His world, that we've surrendered to Him, that we're a disciple of His, every one of us have, our, in our language, we have the ability to share what God has done in 
and through us. And we have the possibility of entering into a miracle of someone experiencing life. I'm going to skip. So right after 12 to 13, 14, 15, he basically tells them, you killed Jesus. I know you did it in ignorance. And he, and he, he leads, because you know, he's talking to um, the Jews in the synagogue, like this is what happened. Like y'all missed it. He was the one foretold in verse 16. He, he goes down um, to, to say all this is like where his healing come from because people are watching. In verse 16 it says, And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see now. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in your presence of all. Verse 17, it says, and now, brothers, he's, he's getting to the quick. He's going, hey, you missed it. You missed Jesus. You missed the Messiah. And it says in verse 17, it says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back. For your sins may be blotted out. This was a big deal. Like this, they're still going to the temple. They're still offering sacrifices so that their sins would be blotted out. Here is this prophet. I mean, what all their prophets had spoken about for generations. Jesus was the Christ and Messiah. Verse 20, it says, That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. This is the miracle. So, like, we, we look at the legs being healed as, like, this amazing thing. There's something amazing that's happening, and I honestly believe God uses the miraculous to open people's eyes to the real miracle, which is who Jesus is. And skip forward to chapter 4. Of course, this wasn't popular. Chapter 4, verse 3. And they arrested them. So people are like, you know, the prayer meeting was off the... I mean, it was, it was done. There's no more praying. There are people, they've heard, they've heard the gospel... And the rulers of the synagogues come in and they arrest them and put them into custody until the next day. For it was already evening. And many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. So the, the church grew because of their availability. And what I want to tell you this morning, where I want us to go, is that are you available? Are you willing to release yourself from your agenda long enough to see God do something? We're going to start um, this thing later on this year. And, I, you know, you can start it now if you want. That we're going to begin to ask people um, to pick one person in their life that they know doesn't know Jesus. And you intentionally begin to pray for this person. Seek opportunities to share the gospel with this person. Because I, I was listening to this book the other day, and it was pretty sad, actually. And it said, you know what? If everyone 
that we're praying for to get saved, if, if, if we're actively praying for people, if every one of those people got saved, like how many would it be? And, you know, kind of the conclusion was is, is not many because, and I'm not, this is not a judgment call, but a lot of us aren't sitting here going, I'm burdened for this person. And, and where, we're, where we want to go to is us, and this is opportunities and options, us taking personal responsibility to begin to fight the warfare that's going on for that person through prayer and interaction. And I, I believe even now there's probably someone that's coming to your brain going, man, they need Jesus. And, and I want to lead us into a place of going, let's just be available. Look, evangelism, in this same book it says, you know what evangelism is? It's two people having a very awkward conversation. It is. Like, I'm telling you, like, it's, but is it worth the awkwardness? Is it worth, hear hear this one, is it worth you looking like an idiot? Because who's not afraid of that? Because there's a lot of tough questions out there. There's a lot of things that I'm presented with that I'm like, I don't know. And I don't know is an appropriate answer. I've said this before in here. Don't start making up stuff. That's why the church looks bad. We just start like, <laughs> just say, I don't know. I will, I will research that and let's get back together on that point. Will you heal the lame? Maybe not. You may not even interact with anybody that needs a healing like we saw in this. But, Are you willing to act when God gives you an opportunity? My whole thing today is, are you available? Because if you'll even begin to consciously make yourself available, I believe that God will give you opportunities. God will give you opportunities to love and serve people that will be impactful. God will give you opportunities to share with someone that you don't have right now. Because there, look, here's my wallet. Amazon, this pleather right here, $7. Yep. Very nice. This wallet, I'm super excited that I found it. But like I said earlier, this wallet, there's no angels in heaven celebrating the discovery of this. I want us, and this is more conviction of me, not you. I want me to have that same, like, I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't think about anything else until my wallet was discovered. What if we were that available for the things that are lost in our world? I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. And we're going um, to celebrate... What God's done in us. So that we can be reminded that God is desiring us to not get locked into this place. Look, we're, we're creating another service just to give people options and opportunities. Because 
Like our first sermon that we preached in this series, there are people, Acts 18, there are people in this city who are God's. They're God's children waiting for you to be available for them. And we're going to prepare for that. We want to be ready. So as we go into this last song, and we do this on purpose, we want everyone in this room as we, we you know, because I think sometimes like when, when God gets us to this place, we feel the conviction and we're like, we want to run from that conviction because we don't like it. It's like that uncomfortable place. And I want you just in this last few minutes of our service to ask yourself, are you available? Are you looking and asking for God to move in your neighborhood, in your workplace, at Walmart, at Costco, when you enter? You have no idea what conversations. See, Peter and John were just going to a prayer meeting. They weren't, this was not on their agenda until God said, hey, are you available for this? And, and out of that, it not only changed this man's life, but hundreds, if not thousands of people in, in this moment, the church grew out of this one event. Imagine what God will do in and through us if we take responsibility for what's going on around us. And here's, here's my last thought. When this man walked in there, the people who saw him were filled with wonder. So here, here's my question. What are we doing? This is all of us, not just you guys. What are we doing to fill people with wonder about God? You know, I'm, I, and I'm not, hear me in this. I'm almost a little sad that there wasn't destruction here. If somebody cuts that part of the sermon, then hear the rest of what I say there. Like, I hate this guy. Because you know what happened last year? The church stepped up. And they literally, physically showed our community how much we love and care. People were going out of your You were talking to your neighbors. You were going over moving wood. You were, you know, taking food to people. I mean, there, we were, I'm telling you, when the church gets an opportunity, we step into it. And I, I'm a little sad that we don't get opportunity. So here, here's, my, here's my final thing to you. Just because there wasn't a storm that destroyed things in our area doesn't mean that there isn't still stuff that God's calling us to do. Look around. Like, I, I commission you guys as ministers of the gospel. Be released to fulfill your mission duty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, there, there, there's so many things stirring in our heads right now. From people that... Uh, have been brought to our attention that we're, we're thinking of right now that don't know you and we're, we don't know what to do. Lord, I pray that you would give us a greater measure of faith for the possibility of what you can do as we're just available. 
And Lord, I just pray over us in this room that we would, we would have the mindset of the lost wallet. We would have the mindset that there, there are those in this city that they don't cry out your name, that if they don't surrender to you, if they don't trust in Jesus, they will be lost forever. And I pray that you would give us a burden, not that it is our task that is fulfilled by our power or our piety, but that you are more than capable of using us to fulfill your mission. So, Lord, I pray just right now, Lord, that you would just, that you would, you would flip a switch in us that we would have this available. That you would open our eyes as we walk around our neighborhoods, as we walk around our places of employment, as we go grocery shopping, as, as we do go to the park, that you would give us eyes to see what you're doing around us. And I pray like Peter and John that we would be ready when you say now. And Lord, for those in this room that just feel desperately lost. They're hurting and in pain. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would see you for who you are, that you would be the rescuer and redeemer, that you would be the one that doesn't wait for us to get pure and holy, but you're the one that takes us and makes us new creatures, makes us new people, gives us a new heart. And I pray that you would change us today. And Lord, I pray that we would honor you with our worship now and forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.